Get your Bibles out and go to First Daryl. There is a there is a First Daryl, isn't there? There's not. Why do some of y'all keep saying I said? <laughs> I'm gonna pick on you. Go to Matthew chapter four. The word is life. The word is Jesus. The more words you get, the more Jesus you got. Matthew chapter 4. Today I'm going to talk about kingdom culture. I'm going to talk about the fact that when Jesus came to the earth, he actually came to create a new culture in the earth. Let's start with Matthew 4. And um, we'll begin with 12. When Jesus heard John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee and he left Nazareth. He came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea, the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. And it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by Isaiah the prophet, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. Galilee of the Gentiles, the people sat in darkness. They have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region, the shadow of death, light has dawned. And from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, we often talk about the fact that Jesus began to preach, but we very seldom ever talk about the fact that what he said was these words, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And a lot of times we don't really talk about that much. We don't talk much about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And now the reason for that is we in the church today have relegated the kingdom of God or the, or, or the, or the kingdom of heaven to the millennial reign. That means that we believe that it's coming when Jesus returns to the earth. And it is. There is coming a day. When Jesus will return to this earth and he will bring in a physical kingdom and he will rule and reign from Jerusalem. We know the, the, the angel said he, as he left, he's coming back. Everyone is looking for that. Even the Jews are looking for him to come the first time because they did not know the first time he came, he was coming to bear sin, not to rule and reign. They misunderstood that the millennial reign and Jesus' first coming were not the same thing. That's where they missed it. We all know this is going to happen one day. What did Jesus mean then when he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand? If the millennial reign is the kingdom of heaven, then what was Jesus talking about? The millennial reign is the physical kingdom of heaven, but the kingdom of heaven is wherever God is. Jesus came and he said, where I am right this minute, the kingdom of heaven is here. Now, let me, let me pop over here and read this. Matthew 4, 23. Jesus went around all Galilee teaching in the synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Not the gospel, but the gospel of the kingdom. And I'm going to explain to you what it is in a minute. He healed all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. His fame went throughout all Syria. Now think about that for a minute. How far is Syria from Galilee? It's about an eight-day walk, ten-day walk. 
And they brought to him all the sick and were afflicted with various diseases and torments and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. How many? All of them. Now, we've often talked a lot about the fact that Jesus came to heal, but he didn't come to heal. He came to bring the kingdom. So, let's, let's jump ahead for just a minute. How many sick people are going to be in the earth in heaven? None. Think about that a minute. How many depressed people? How many poor people? How much strife? Division? None. So Jesus prays a prayer later and he says, pray this prayer. Thy will be done on earth, talking about your life, your family, just like heaven. You can have that now. Now, even though we have not entered the physical kingdom, we are sons and daughters of the kingdom. We've been born into a kingdom, and therefore the church, now I'm not talking about just the just Nazarene church, Baptist, Episcopalian church. I'm talking about the church of Jesus, the body of Christ, people who make up the, the, the body of Christ. We are a kingdom of people in the earth. Think about that. Would it not be right then that we actually had a kingdom culture? All right, now let's, let's go back a minute. During the millennial reign, will there be a difference in the way people live? Absolutely. There are going to be a lot of changes made. One of them is that me and Jesus are going to get rid of daylight savings time. Now, I'm going to give you my opinion, and it's only my opinion. This is not Bible. If you need a clock to make you wake up and see the sun coming up, you have a problem. I do not want the government to tell me when to get up so that I can watch the sun and have a longer day. If I want a longer day, I'll get out of bed when I want to get out of bed. Now, the Amish and the American Indians and Puerto Rico and I guess Hawaii, they don't even have daylight savings time. God bless them. I wish Florida didn't, by God. I, it, you know, I left the living room at midnight and got to my bedroom at one in the morning. <laughs> it only took me a minute to get there, too. Yeah. You know, you think about the fact that when I went to bed, I went, I got to get up an hour early tomorrow and go to church. All right, now that was in my opinion. That didn't cost any extra. All right. So, so let's go to chapter 5, verse 1. Let me, I want to show you something here. Now, I want, you got to pay attention. Pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. Seeing the multitude, he went up on a mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came, and he opened his mouth, and he taught them, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And, and he went off, and what we call the Sermon on the Mount... Was Jesus saying this, I'm a king, I got a brand new kingdom, and this is how you will live in it. This is going to be a kingdom culture. 
We are not to live like the world. I'll come over here and say that. Now listen to me. Don't, 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 don't get all flustered. We're supposed to be different than everyone else. We're supposed, to, we're supposed to live different, act different, walk different, talk different, just like Jesus. When you get, you know, people have said this to me since I started pastoring. Pastor, when, when people who don't know Jesus come to your church, they don't understand what you're saying. They're not supposed to. I'm not talking to, this is not an evangelistic crusade. This is a church. We have a culture that's completely different than the world. If you want to get in it, then join the church, get born again, and come in, and we will teach you the culture. We'll teach you what it means to fall out in the power and laugh in the Holy Ghost. We're not, we're not supposed to keep changing so they understand us. We're supposed to change them. They're not supposed to be changing us. We're supposed to influence the world. The world is not supposed to be influencing us. Do you know what the Greek word church means? It's a governing body in a city that makes a decision on how that city is run. Jesus stole the word from the Roman Empire. He did not come up with a word called church. I will build my church because in that day, they had an amphitheater in every city and people came in the amphitheater and they made decisions on how that city would and would not be run. What laws will we accept? What laws do we not accept? That is why the church is the most powerful institution in any city. We're supposed to be saying how the schools are run. We're supposed to be saying when kids are aborted or not. We're the ones that are supposed to be changing the culture and not the culture changing us. When Jesus came, he said, I have come to change your culture. You're going to change it when you die. Why don't you start now? You said, you know, let me ask you a question. Are you going to worry during the millennial reign when Jesus is here? Why are you worrying now? Are you going to be working your tail off seven and a half days a week to make a living during the millennial reign? No. Why are you working seven and a half days a week now to make a living? I thought that you were in a kingdom where God meets all of your needs. The world chases money. You're not supposed to chase money. You're supposed to chase God. Oh, don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. All right, now listen to this. Jesus is teaching these Beatitudes. Go to Matthew 13, 33. I'm going to preach a real good sermon today, and y'all can holler and jump up and down anytime you want to. That's our culture. Another parable he spoke to them. The kingdom of heaven is like. He's, he's going to show you 
what the kingdom of heaven, this is the kingdom, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's bringing a new culture to the people called disciples. In other words, we're not in the millennial reign, but yet we're in the kingdom now. We're in a world that still is not saved, but right now we're in the kingdom. So he said, I'm going to show you, I'm going to give you a parable of how I want my kingdom to function in the earth. He said, it's like a woman who took leaven and hid it in three measures of meal until all of it was leavened. Now, I'm not a big bread eater because I, I'm, I, just, I just don't like gooey white flour. I just, I know some of y'all love it, but I don't. But I do like wholesome bread occasionally. It's full of magnesium. It's good for you. So anyway, having said all that, my sister Nancy taught me to make bread. So I have this big tubs of wheat at home and a grinder, and, and wheat only lasts 48 hours, and after that, it's dead. So you go to Panera, the bread's still dead. But now my bread is not dead. Now I grind it up, and, I'm, and I get me about two, well, it's actually about four and a half, five cups of wheat, and grind it up. And then I take leaven and put it in there and honey and olive oil and hot water and eggs. And I take it and I start making it. But I got to get that yeast all through that bread. When I get finished, I got a ball about the size of a softball. And when I stick it over in a corner and throw a a towel over it, in about two hours, it's about the size of a soccer ball. And I punch it down and I knock it down and I, and I do it again and I knead it. And then I make two little and I stick them in a little loaves and I throw them in the oven. And when they come out, they're so good. They're hot and you put butter on them and don't eat too much. They're full of magnesium. Don't eat too much. Never mind. Some of y'all are going, woo, I think I understand what you're talking about. You talk about clean, you will be clean. <laughs> clean, clean. We ain't talking the blood. We're talking about the bread. We're clean by the bread. Well, one of the things that I had to learn was how to get that yeast all through that bread. So Jesus makes a statement. We are the yeast. He wants you to take the principles of the kingdom and work them in your life until the whole loaf. Not only in your life, but let's say you're a school teacher. You're supposed to be a school teacher for Jesus. You're supposed to be running the school so that the children are hearing the gospel and influenced by the kingdom of God. If you're in government position, you should be a government official that takes the kingdom into the office of mayor or governor or city council and takes the principles of the word of God into that office and filter them through the city. This is what made America great. Well, the revivals broke out and we wrote a constitution out of the Bible and America became the greatest nation on earth because the school system taught the Bible. Preachers, people, people, not just preachers. Preachers preached the gospel and the people of this nation took that gospel everywhere they went. Businessmen were godly businessmen. And America became great. What's wrong with America today? The world has gotten into the church. 
so that now we are running our lives. Go to Romans 12, chapter 12, verse. You're, uh, come on, come on, y'all. I need, I need a little help. Do y'all understand that it's very, very hard to preach a message when you know that I'm asking you to put your flesh under? Because our flesh goes, but I don't want them. And I get that. Mine does too. Come on. We're about to celebrate 30 years of me being here. Ask, ask me, have I quit during that time? Oh, I quit more than y'all did. Why? Well, one day I won't have this flesh, but while I have it, I have to slap it. Hey, flesh. What? Get up and read your Bible. I don't want to. Read it anyway. Uh-uh. Why should I? You're the pastor. That's terrible. You ought to have these conversations I have with myself sometimes. Where are you going? You ain't going fishing. Tomorrow's Sunday. I'm even going tomorrow. No, you're not. Let's read this. Romans chapter 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to the world. Don't allow the world to press you into its image. Come on, folks. You know what? Listen, I could, I could, we could get down. Somebody asked me the other day, when I was going to get me some of them tight jeans. I ain't getting no tight jeans. I have a question. How are y'all bending over? Do y'all pour your bodies into them things? Why do you want your jeans so tight you can't even feel your legs? Well, it's cool. Who told you you had to be cool? Let me go back to being a hippie. When I was a hippie, someone asked me, why did you have long hair? I said, I want to be different. And they said, you look like all the other kids your age. You ain't different. You look like everybody else out there. And I went, that's right, I do. I mean, you don't realize you, you are conforming. The world says this is the way it is and you buy it. Why don't you set the standard? What's wrong with you become? Why don't you set a standard on how to dress? Who told you you had to look ugly when you dress anyway? You know, folks, if y'all want a $100 pair of jeans, I throw them away when they start looking like that. I mean, be honest with you, it is not cool to have your jeans. You just look like you ain't got no money. Now, I understand that I'm on your toes, and I understand that may be cool for y'all. And that may, may be what you want to do. If that's what you want to do, that, that's your business. Are you doing that just because everybody else does it? What, who are you following? 
Why do you do what everybody else does just because everybody else does it? You know, I'm going to go back to Joselito right now because he said something yesterday at the men's. And he made a statement about the fact that there is no policy in the army against cussing. But he has a policy against cussing. And you know what? I, I was so proud to hear him say that. Who told you you had to act like everybody else? I mean, I was watching a little bit of the band, of, not the band of brother, yeah, the, the movie after I got home because I went home and went through a couple more clips to find that clip about, you know, we're surrounded. And, um, you know, this guy looks at, at, the, at one of the commanders and says, he's just a Quaker. Well, I'm proud to be a Quaker. I'm not ashamed of Jesus. Well, you know, everywhere I've been, I mean, they, and I work someplace, they call me Jimmy Swaggart, they call me all kinds. I'm proud of it. I'm, I am so glad that you can see that there's a difference in me. I'm glad I don't look like you or act like you. Why does everybody want to be a little duck? One duck says something, and we got to get down the road. All of y'all go looking all the same. Why don't you stick out a little bit? Thank you for the amens. And the... Do not be pressed in to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, go to Matthew 18 now. We're just getting cranked up now. I love preaching the Bible. And I realize that we live in a world and it is doing everything in its power. I want to look at some people on TV and ask them, who are you? You got movie stars who have set themselves up as authority. All you are is a dumb actor. I mean, you can't even live without acting up. Who told you you had any importance? Isn't it funny? That we sit there, and I mean, I don't know about all these magazines, but someone's a star. I've watched some stars, and they look more like, well, they're not stars. They're just a dumb kid. And when everybody wants to know what this dumb kid thinks, I don't care what they think. I was at work one day in Tulsa. And a girl came in and she was talking about some music artist. And she said, do you listen to so-and-so? And I said, I don't even know who that is. And they said, what about this? And I said, I don't know who that is. She said, where have you been? And so I said, well, you know who Kenneth Copeland is? She goes, no. I said, where have you been? It's not my fault you're ignorant. I'm not going to be intimidated by a bunch of people who know a movie star by name. I could care less. Uh, now, listen, I, I say this all the time, and I wish you'd adopt it. When I meet people, I say, it's good that you met me. I think I'm a movie star. I just do. I just, if, if someone's going to be super duper, why don't it be me? Everyone else thinks they're great. Why can't I think I'm great? <laughs> why don't you think you're great? 
Are y'all seeing this? This is powerful. Jesus thought he was somebody. They said he teaches as one in authority. Matthew 18. Look at verse 15. Are y'all ready? Fasten your seatbelts. Moreover, if a brother sins against you, go tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. If he will not hear, take with you two more, and by the mouth of two or three witnesses, let everything be established. If he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to hear the church, let him be as a heathen or a tax collector. Surely I say, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And I've read that all of my life, and I've asked this question. What does a sinning guy in church have anything to do with prayer? Have y'all ever read that and thought, you changed subjects on us. Then it hit me, he did not change subjects. Uh, let's read it in the Amplified. I'm not going to read about the sinning, brother. Y'all like that one too much. I'm just telling you the truth. Now listen to what he says. Truly I tell you, Whatever you forbid and declare to be improper and unlawful on earth must be what is already forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit and declare proper and lawful on earth must be what is already permitted in heaven. All right, now what's he saying? You're now in the kingdom of God. How does heaven rule in this? You've got, a, you've got a rebellious teenager. How many rebellious teenagers are in heaven? Don't allow it. How many liars are in heaven? Don't allow it. How many abortions are in heaven? Don't allow it. How many people with cancer are in heaven? Don't allow it. How much arthritis is in heaven? Don't allow it. How much poverty is in heaven? Don't allow it. How many lukewarm, backslidden Christians are in heaven? Don't allow it. He's talking about creating a kingdom culture in your mind. You're in the kingdom of God now. You may not be in the millennial reign, but you're in the kingdom of God. And he's talking to you and I about how to know what's right and what's wrong. Listen to me. During the millennial reign, I'm not going to be broke. I'm not going to be broke now because I'm already in the kingdom of God. During the millennial reign, I'm not going to get old. (laughs) I ain't getting old now. (laughs) During the millennial reign. Listen, there's a lot of, there's going to be some difference when Jesus returns. Did you know that I don't worry about snakes biting my kids? Let's go over there. Come on, y'all. Y'all ready? Listen. Are y'all ready for this? Because I'm going to unload on you. Three of you. If something's valuable here, There, it needs to be valuable here. If something is worthless there, it should be worthless here. Don't place worth on what heaven calls junk. 
when a soul gets saved, what does heaven think? Then that's valuable there, that's valuable here. All right. Isaiah 65. Hold on, hold on to your hats. Now, I could read all of this, but I I really don't have the time to do it. But verse 17 says, I'm going to create a new heaven and a new earth, and the former will not be remembered or come to mind. That means there's coming a day we will look back and say, I don't even remember word of life. I don't remember anything about that. Thank God. We're here now, but we don't have to stay in this. Verse 23, they shall not labor in vain. They will not bring forth children for trouble. They shall be descendants of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. It shall come to pass that before they call, I'll answer. And while they're speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will feed together. The lion will eat straw like an ox and the dust of a serpent's food and shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. Are we going to worry about snakes in heaven? No, you're not going to worry about snakes in heaven. So does that mean it's possible to not worry about them now? Paul got bit. What, what did he do with the thing? Now we read that and go, ah, that's Paul. No. No, we're talking about if you understand a culture of the kingdom, Paul had already entered into the kingdom of God and he already knew he has authority over all the work of the enemy, even though there's coming a day when everything in the earth will be filled with the glory of God, we can have our days filled with the glory of God right now. What a life. Now, now, Paul got snake bit. What did he do? Threw it in the fire. Well, we got to tell our snake bite story. Well, I, I, was, I don't know what mission trip I was on when I got home. And Lisa's dad was always bringing the boys snakes. Garden snakes. Black snakes. Racing snakes. All kinds of snakes. Hog snakes. What's it? Chicken snakes. What's that, what's that one with the color all over it? Brown and... Corn snake. I mean, every week he comes over, he's got a snake in a box, and the boys finally are in the bedroom with his snake, and there, oh, the snake is loose. Find the snake. You know, when you have nothing but boys in the house, it's a complete different world. We should have had one girl. It sure would have straightened our house out to have one girl in the house. So anyway, I'm on a mission trip, and I get home, and Lisa looks at me, and she goes, well, Justin's got a snake, and don't be alarmed, but it bit him. And, uh, and, and, but we prayed over him and he's fine now. I said, okay. And in, you know, you have the Holy Ghost in you. Y'all know that. Something inside of me is going, ah, don't ever violate that thing in you that's screaming, ah, it's always right. It's always right. When you have a gut feeling, listen to you gut. So I went out and I picked up this snake in the box and and I said, oh, let me see that snake. And Justin goes, yeah, Dad, it bit me. And I got real sick, but Mama prayed over me and took authority over it. And I'm fine. I went, okay, that's good. <laughs> and I took it down to a pet store. I said, what is this? He said, that's a cottonmouth moccasin. And I killed it dead. I, killed, I smashed it and smashed it and smashed it some more. 
And I came home and I said, guys, listen, not every snake is a good snake. (laughs) But aren't you glad that Lisa knew how to pray and use the name? I'm not losing my children to snakes or dogs or devils. Now listen to me. I'm not going to get shot. No weapon formed against me or prosper. Every tongue that rises against me in judgment, I'm going to condemn it and prove it to be wrong. My children are not going to get in car wrecks. Did you know that during the millennial reign, nobody's going to lose their children to car wrecks? Are you in the kingdom now? Then don't lose your children to car wrecks. Are y'all out there? Do you understand? Hey, listen to what he said. What you allow must be what's allowed. What you forbid must be what's forbidden. You and I have a choice. He's asking you and I to create a culture of the kingdom of God in your life. In other words, you don't run your life the way the world runs theirs. What they consider valuable, you don't consider it valuable. Now, what's that ring called that they get in the Super Bowl? Is it called a Super Bowl ring or is it? Do you know how many people in heaven knew about it during the Super Bowl party and who won the Super Bowl? How many people in heaven knew about the game? Nobody. I'm not against football. Don't spend your life to get a ring. Get your life to get a crown. Now, what about Tim Tebow? Maybe God called him to be a football player. But I'm going to tell you, he never compromised the word of God one time while he was playing football and the whole world heard about Jesus through this man. So did God set him up? So listen, you've got to start asking your question, what is it that I'm doing right now that actually has no value? Now, does that mean we never have fun? I never said that. I have a nice truck. But nobody in heaven knows what it is. We have a nice swimming pool. Nobody in heaven cares. That means it's not as important as what Lisa and I are doing for the Lord. That matters. Do you all understand that? The day that that pool becomes more important than Jesus, we need to do something. Are you all seeing what I'm saying? Okay. Now, what happens to us is the world starts deciding what the standard will be. You don't decide my standard. I've already got a standard. I got a standard right here, darling, and I've already decided what it is. We're watching in America right now. There's a fight over the standard where people are going, that's not the standard. We go, it's our standard. Don't compromise us. In heaven, is serving allowed? Is giving allowed? Yes. Is worship allowed? Yes. Is joy allowed? Yes. How about peace? Yes. Healing? Yes. Life? Yes. Enthusiasm? Yes. Is faithfulness? Yes. Faithfulness is a big deal? Yes. Is it? Yes, it is. People in heaven faithful? Yes. Well, then why don't you be faithful? Why don't you adopt a kingdom culture and when you give someone your words, you keep it so they can rely on you. 
You know, this, this whole idea, there ain't no jobs. That's a baloney. I can take you right now to some men who would, who would hire you in a nanosecond if you would come, be on time, and do what you said when you got there. But we live in a generation that wants money, but they don't want to work for it. Oh, don't shout me down. All the businessmen understood everything I just said. Well, there just ain't no work. Not close enough in my house to walk. We'll get a car. Uh-uh. Well, maybe the government should buy you one. You, you just get me ticked. Is faith important in heaven? How about courage? How about the knowledge of God? Is selfishness? What about being stingy? What about worrying? Is that okay in heaven? Then why do you worry now? Well, you know, you just don't know. No, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Is Jesus Lord? Yes. Is he seated at the right hand of God? Yes. You ain't got a thing to worry about. It's a sin to worry. Or you, you ain't going to worry in heaven, so why are you worrying now? How many of y'all are going to obey God during the millennial reign? Why don't you start? Why are you waiting until you die? I'm preaching better than y'all amen, but I'm telling you right now, I don't know why everybody's sitting around waiting for a future day to be nice. Now, I'm going to tell you my pet, mine. Everybody, I know that some of y'all are Catholics, so I'm going to tell you my sins. I don't have a lust problem. I don't chase wild women. I can't catch them, but anyway... If I did, if I did, I probably wouldn't want her anyway. I just, woo, you're too hot to hold, girl. I, you know, my biggest issue is, is, is patience. I, 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 I just can't stand to sit at a traffic light and the light change and you are on your phone. The gas pedal is on the right side. And then they finally go through it and the light turns red again. And I'm going, that makes me mad. How many of you know people like that don't act like that in heaven? So this sermon's for me, isn't it? I do. I, I, I'm going to tell you the truth about it. There's just certain things that I struggle with in my flesh. One of them is that if I'm supposed to be someplace, I want to be on time. And I do not want to get behind some old draggy, draggy person. If the speed limit's 55, don't do 45 in the left lane, you numb nut. Get over. Next to a semi throwing gravel on my windshield. And <laughs> Am I the only one in here? Y'all just like, oh, you serious. Now, see, I don't have all the other problems, but I do. I have to pick up my Bible and read. When he was reviled, he reviled not back to myself to create a kingdom culture in me and act like a son of God instead of an idiot on I-4. 
and to be patient and look like Heavenly Father, I'm practicing my patience. Bless them. Bless that creepy person. Bless them. (laughs) The other day I was sitting in a room and people were fighting. And I didn't get involved. And I walked out and I went, Daryl, you did so good. All right, I think I'm done. Let me read a couple more. Habakkuk 2.14. The whole world will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Numbers 14.21. But as truly as I live, the whole earth will be filled with the glory of God. We're coming into a time where Jesus will return and we will be ruling and reigning with him. But he's been showing me, don't wait. There's not a day coming when things are good. But we, that day can start now. You and I can start. He's asking us to start adopting a kingdom culture now. Don't wait. Does this make sense? Does this help y'all? Because we live in the world, I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes it's tough because you live in a world where everybody's running exactly the opposite of you. And you've got to make up your mind when you wake up in the morning and get out of bed I'm not conforming. What's important in heaven is important to me. What's not important is not important to me. I'm going to live my life on this planet to please God, not man. I'm going to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and believe all things are added to me. I'm not going to live worrying because worrying's a sin. I wouldn't worry in the millennial reign. I won't worry today about anything. And I'll count it all joy. Now, that's a a kingdom culture. That means we have have started acting like Christians in the world. Does this help? Yeah. I got a story I want to tell you, and and I'm sorry, I'm probably going to bomb the story. I should should, um, have brought it. I was on Facebook, and there um, uh, there was a black man. He was a preacher. And he was talking about a baby that uh, the parents tried to abort him when he was in the womb. And they took coat hangers and everything and tried to kill the baby in the womb. Destroyed the child's pancreas, his legs, um, messed up the baby real, real bad. But the baby was born, came out alive. So the woman gave the baby to an institution because the baby stuttered, the baby's body didn't work right. He, they, they had scalded the baby, burned the baby. And he said, he said part of the baby's body was burned and he couldn't function. And he, and he went on to talk about the horror. He said for 12 years of this baby's life, there was a nurse that took care of the baby that was a Satanist. And uh, did all kind of vile things to the baby. One day a woman came in to the home where the little boy was being raised. And she brought a Gideon Bible and she started reading that Bible to the children and talking to those children about who they are in Christ and what is theirs. And the little boy was 12 years old and he picked up that Gideon Bible and he said he he started to read it. And he said, and and then he made this statement, I got to tell you the punchline. He said, that baby's me. 
He said, I read that Bible, and that Bible healed my body. I stopped stuttering. My body came back into normal. My legs started working correctly. He said, my brain came back. He said, said, I became a normal human being because a woman handed me a Bible. And he called it a something kind of baby. What kind of baby is it when you? A what baby? A trick. He said, I'm a trick baby. He said, but now I'm a man of God preaching the word. And I'm going to tell you something. I sat there and wept listening to this man preach and all the hell that happened to him. Let me tell you something. The kingdom of God is at hand. You can pick this up and you can get into this culture and this culture will change your life. You can be a nominal Christian if you want to be. You can be like the world if you want to be. But if you're tired of your life, this kingdom will change it. And you don't have to wait till you die and someday everything's going to get better. Now, if a 12-year-old boy can pick up a Gideon Bible and God to heal him and turn his life around, what would happen if Christians actually picked theirs up and started living in, in the kingdom of God? Amen? Yeah. Father God, I want to thank you this morning. Uh, I, I, just, I just appreciate you so much. I come in here on Sundays and I, I pour my heart out sometimes. And, and I, I sit and watch people and I know they go through things in life. And I, and I want to say something and minister something that will help them. Help us in this earth. Father, there's nothing that has been more valuable to me than you and the word. Nothing on this earth. Nothing. You've changed everything. I'm even, I'm even got my sights on higher stuff for you and I in the future. I'm just looking for better days ahead, and, and I'm not going to conform this world. I'm, if, it's in, if it's in heaven, I want it now. And I pray that everybody in this room would begin to pray that prayer. If it's heaven, I want it now. I want it here. I'm not waiting until I die, even though I'll have that during the millennial reign. I, I want that now. And I pray that we would, we would make the adjustments in our life and not just get up and go about life the way we've always gone about it. You said in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything would be added. You gave us a kingdom culture. You gave us a footprint of the way we would live one day. But we can start that life right this minute. We don't have to wait till another day. We can start right now. And I pray, Father God, for everybody that's walked in this room. If they're in a situation that needs to be changed or else, I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to give them hope that there is nothing they're going through right now. There's nothing impossible with you. If it's not impossible to to be possible with you it's if with you it's possible to change it's with if with you it's possible to be better i don't care what the situation is you can turn it father you will turn it and i'm asking father god the people in this church would begin to draw near you begin to adopt the kingdom of god in our life right now and just sit back and watch what you do because it's true you're waiting on us you said in, the, in, in Matthew, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That was 2,000 years ago. It's closer now than it has ever been. And I give you praise and honor and glory. 
for everything you do in this church and the people's lives in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.